0: Good morning. Today is the ninth of Tevet, fifty seven eighty three corresponding to january second, twenty twenty three. Today we are beginning chapter nine, examining the Revi's understanding of where the soul resides within the body, taking into account the idea that he's been speaking about, which is how the soul includes is enclosed within our body, our body is like a clothing to our true self, and he wants to discuss where does it live and how does that affect the soul's interactions with the human being, with this animate inanimate object that becomes the animate object, which is the human being. And he describes it as follows, he says, as we know, we have two different types of souls, we have the animal soul and we have the divine soul the animal soul coming from the Klippat Noga, right from this, the lightness that's still attached to the dark side, and the divine soul, which is the um, giving over of the godliness to the human being. And he says this follows. He says that the (coughs) animal soul dwells within the left ventricle of the heart. So... For the Altar Rebbe, his notion of our circulation system is such that he can already begin to offer us perspective based on a more modern sense of our biology. And he says, this, and he describes this duality of the animal and the divine souls coming from these two ventricles. So, why the left ventricle for the animal soul? Because it's filled with blood. And as we know, the blood is the life, or blood is the soul. Hadam hua nefesh. And this soul is really referring to that which animates the body. And so where would you get the animation of the body but from the place where the blood circulates from. So for the Revi, everything that is related to our physicality manifests itself and, and comes out of this left side, this left ventricle, our lust, our anger, our passions, our desires all come from this side. And what happens? The blood spreads through the body, right? That's our circulation, right? The blood pumps through and it circulates through the body and it animates us and it, quote unquote, forces us into action. So there is that, again, that metaphoric element, which is, it's not literally that the blood pumps through and therefore we do, but it's saying that the blood pumps through, causing us to move, and the circulates through and causing us to move and it's through those actions that are physical actions that somehow will lead us down that road. But he uses something, He says something interesting here. And he says, while it spreads through the body, it rises to the brain. We're going to come back to the brain in a moment, but it rises up. Um, and in a way, perhaps the blood, when it rises up to the brain, it's a metaphor for... Uh, lifting up the animal soul into something greater, or lifting up the light sparks from this clipa, this soul, <clears throat> and using it for better purposes. Or, it could also be something negative, but for the most part, it seems that by by the rising of the soul, we the, the blood to the brain, we see something of a little bit more of a positive nature. Now, there is a note on the bottom that describes how it, it's interesting to see the contrast of language. The blood spreads out through the body, but the blood rises to the brain. That, of course, is presuming that we're standing there in a vertical, uh, as vertical beings. And if you take into account the spherotic system, it actually makes sense as well, because ultimately the heart is going to be the seat of the first of the emotional attributes, which we've talked about previously, chesed, gebur, and tiferet. And everything above the heart is going to be the seat of the brain or the Chabad attributes, the wisdom, the knowledge, understanding, Chach, and dot. And so it makes sense to have this divide. And yet I think there's also this other deeper meaning that I mentioned, which is that we can raise that up through the intellect. By, u- by mixing this blood into the intellect, we should have a way of raising up this, the good parts of the, this animalistic soul by being mindful of what we're doing, not just doing an action. <laughs> so what about the divine soul? Where does that live? So the divine soul, we presume to live in the mind. But he also says something interesting. He says it actually also lives in the heart. It lives in the right ventricle, on the right side. And the right ventricle is the receptor ventricle, meaning it has no blood flow. It, the blood only comes through subsequently. It doesn't pump out any blood. Um, I'm not, I, I, and, and so when we consider that, what we're seeing here is that the left side pumps the blood, the right side is a receptor for it, and it's the right side that ultimately brings that blood up. So for the alterab, he goes on to describe how we can see here that the divine soul has both elements to it. It has an intellectual element, it has some sort of emotional element, versus the animal soul, which he's presuming to have just an emotional element that could potentially be touched on, that could potentially touch this other divine aspect. Um, So he goes on and describes how... We can know this because one of the biggest things that we are working on as spiritual beings is manif- is growing and cultivating the idea of having love of God. So where would love reside? Love doesn't reside in the head. Love resides in the heart. But it's a love that's built on an intellectual understanding of things. In other words, it's a love that's built on Chachma, Bina, and Dot, on this this deep, connective knowledge of God. So it's not a love that's purely animalistic and emotional, but it's a love that's grounded in something greater, something deeper. Um, And so he goes on in this section today to to one final point which I want to raise up, which is about gladness of the heart. So the gladness of the heart Is going to be that which sees the beauty and majesty of God, and how does it see? It sees through the mind's eye. She uses this this picture of an eye that sees. What kind of eye is it? It's an eye that gazes intently, that it focuses, it it perceives, or in other words, it's not the physical eyesight that we have. But again, it's the mindfulness and contemplation that he is alluding to. <clears throat> so for this chapter, just a summary very quick, we see the animal soul. The animal soul is the emotional soul. It's the purely base emotional side. The animal soul resides in the left ventricle in his, in his biological understanding of the spirituality of our lives, right? So it, it resides in the left ventricle, which is the area of the blood, the divine soul resides in a in the passive vessel of the right side of the heart, the right ventricle, and but and slash but more so, it resides in the mind, for it's the mind that's really the driver of all things that will lift up the sparks in this world, or all things that are divine. And so the message of today is that the message of today, as we see, is that he wants us to understand that the true growth of spirituality is not one that's built, again, off of emotion straight up, but it's a combination of our mind and our emotion. Something that I think when we study the, a lot of the literature that's out there today, we sometimes wonder if it's really there. But deep down we know that it is, because we have to read, we have to think, we have to focus, and we have to meditate, and all of those things require the mind to either be working actively or to the mind to be shut down and, well, not shut down, more like slowed down to the point of perceiving things in a very clear crystal way as opposed to in our day-to-day lives where we tend not to perceive these things so clearly because there's just so much data being thrown at us at any given time. All right, I believe that will... Help us get a better understanding of the beginning of this chapter, and I want to wish you all a wonderful day and much success in whatever your work is today in your spiritual growth, and we will meet again tomorrow.